Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. In our study, if you have your Bibles in Genesis 32, uh, we spit, uh, spit, we didn't spit anything, but we, uh, I spit a little bit, maybe, um, here, uh, but uh, we split the last message up into two different messages uh, because there were two different points, and point number one was that there are healthy boundaries that we should establish in our lives, and that's in our personal lives, and our relationships. There are healthy boundaries that are right uh, for us to have. Um, again, whether it's with our eyes or the places that we go, our friendships, our, our relationships, all those things, there's healthy boundaries that we should establish. But the second point was the second message, and that was last week, and that was this, that there are hindering walls that we should not erect. So there's healthy boundaries that we should make sure and establish in our life to make sure that we are, uh, first of all, having a right relationship with God, uh, second of all, making sure that we have right rela- relationship with other people, and uh, living the life that God's called us to live. And in doing that, again, with those, those hindering walls can't be up in our life because we can't have the right relationship with other people if those are in our lives. We learned about relationships all along the way through this study, and so last week was a little, uh, a little help in that as well. We've learned about trials. We've learned about grace. We've lear- learned about the different opportunities that God gives us sometimes. Uh, we've talked about devotion. We've talked about commitment and so much more. Uh, with that. One of the things I want to remind you of, and, and I may do it a couple times in this, in this sermon this morning, is concerning boundaries. And, uh, you know, we, we look at, well, I, I'm, I'm guarding my time, I'm guarding this, I'm guarding that. And I, and I shared this, that first message was that there's there, no healthy boundary tells God no. No healthy boundary tells God no. So when we're talking about, I, I, I'm trying to, you know, make sure my time is right, I'm trying to make sure my relationships are right. Uh, as long as, again, if we're trying to do it God's way, then there's not a time that we're going to say no to God. No, I can't do this for you, God. No, I, I won't go there for you, God. No, I don't have time for this, God. There's no healthy boundary that tells God no. And so um, this morning, as we move forward in this study, we're going to learn, again, a little bit more about uh, just life in general. But specifically speaking, we're going to look at resolving conflict, which is, I think, an important thing both in our homes, it's important in our jobs, it's important when you go to Walmart, it's important in the uh, uh, fast food line at the restaurant, maybe you'll use it today. Again, some important uh, things about resolving conflict, and then, of course, the the kind of life or the type of life we're supposed to be living. So um, let's pray, and then we'll look at this. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for allowing us to be here again. And what we've already experienced, Lord, the, the time of worship and praise. And um, Lord, I, I'm thankful for that special that Brother Tony just sang, just a reminder uh, for all of us that uh, it's not just uh, when things are going good that we should be praising you. Uh, when, when we have everything that we want and everything we need and everything seems right, that's not the only time we're to praise you. And we're to praise you even in the storms when things are difficult. Lord, you are God and you are God alone. In the storm, on the mountaintop, any time, Lord. And so uh, we thank you for that. Thank you for the opportunity to give to you. We realize that's just an expression of our trust in you and obedience to you. Um, Lord, we um, thank you for your word. We get to open now, and I pray that it would be spoken, it would be preached in a way that glorifies you, um, that you would just use me as a simple vessel, that you alone would be exalted. And, uh, Lord, help all of us receive from you and from your Holy Spirit right now. 
uh, what you want us to receive. If there's somebody here today, God, that has never entered into a personal relationship with you through faith in Jesus Christ, if they've never surrendered their life to you, I pray that they would do so before they leave this place. And maybe they haven't even understood the importance of that. Maybe they haven't understood that, that Jesus is the only way to heaven after this life. Maybe they haven't realized that there is an eternal punishment waiting for those who reject Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray this morning again you would illuminate their, their lives with the gospel, that they would surrender, that they would repent, they would turn to you in faith, and they would be born again. We'll praise you for that, God. We'll praise you for all of this. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, in our study, if you've been here along the way, you know what's, gonna, you, you know what's been going on. But the last thing that we saw was Laban, who is Jacob's father-in-law, and Jacob, uh, forming this covenant. They established a covenant. They, built, uh, they set up a pillar. They built a, uh, an altar there, if you will. And they established this covenant for something that's so interesting, right? What did they establish the covenant for? Of to, they established this covenant so that they would make sure they would treat each other right. That's what it was. They, they, they said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to set up this pillar. We're going to set up the, these stones. And it's going to be a witness that we are going to treat each other right. We're, go, we're, we're not going to do anything bad. You're not going to treat my daughters and, and my grandkids wrong. You're going to do things right. Again, they erected this, this, this pillar and they made these things um, to, to establish this covenant with each other. Laban after they, they go to sleep that night, gets up, leaves, goes back home. And so this morning, we turn our attention to what Jacob does. Again, Laban goes back to his home, covenants established. What does Jacob do? Look in verse 1 of chapter 32. Jacob went on his way. But look what happens. The angels of God met him. The angels of God met Jacob as he leaves. They didn't meet with Laban, met with Jacob. Again, Jacob was God's chosen. We've seen Jacob mess up so many times, miss so many opportunities, do wrong things, and over and over and over, God's extended grace, extended opportunities. And again, it reminds me so much of me. It reminds me so much of us as Christians today, right? I mean, how many times do we come to an altar? How many times, even in our own prayer life, do we say, God, I promise I'm not going to do this again. God, I want to read the, your word every day. God, I want to pray. God, I want to witness for you. God, I don't want to struggle with this anymore. God, I want this. God, I promise this. God, I promise that. And then we turn around and break those promises. And we don't carry through with the things that we say we want to do. And how many days thereafter does God say, here, here's another opportunity. Here's another day of grace. There's another opportunity in my mercy for you to respond to the burning and the commitment that you are making to me in your heart. Angels of God met Jacob. And some people say, well, what are they going to do to Jacob here? Look what happens in verse 2. When Jacob saw them, he said... This is God's host. And he called the name of that place Mechanahim. Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, into the land of Seir, the country of Edom. So Jacob encounters the host of God, these angels, these, these messengers of God, and is almost a, as a sign to him that God is still with him, that God, and, and this is something that I love too. I, I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life where I feel like, man, maybe I've failed, maybe I messed up too much, maybe, uh, maybe I've not been who God's called me to be, maybe I've not done the things that God wants me to do so much, and, and then God comes along in a gracious and loving way and shows that he's still with you. I'm still your God, you're still my, ch you're still my son, you're still my daughter. 
My blood is still on your account. My righteousness still imputed to you, deposited in your account. And it's a very humbling time whenever God does that in our life. And, and so here we see God, I believe, showing Jacob that he's still with him. That he's, he's messed up and, 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 and he's not turned to him and, he, and he's not done the things that he needs to do every time, but he's still with him. And so what, what does Jacob do? Jacob continues moving forward, but he sends, two messengers, sends some messengers before him to Esau, his brother, into the land of Seir. What is he doing this for? Well, look what happens. Commanded them, saying, this is what you're going to tell to, to my Lord Esau. Thy servant Jacob saith thus, I've sojourned with Laban, our uncle, and, and stayed there until now. I have, I, and I have oxen and asses and flocks and men servants and women servants. And I have sent to tell my Lord that I may find grace in thy sight. It's interesting, right? I mean, if you were here or if you know the story, you know what's happened so far. Jacob has, he's tricked Esau, he's stolen from Esau, he, he's done all these things, treated his older brother right, I mean wrong, and not treated him right, he's, he's, he's done this, and, and he left, he ran, fled for his life, he was afraid, and, and his mom helped him to leave and, and, and goes to find a wife, and we know the whole 20 years with Laban and working and, and having not just one wife, but two wives and two, uh, two of their maidservants, and many kids by them at this point in time, and so now he's coming back home, and he's, and he's trying to extend this peace offering to his older brother, who he's thinking, maybe he's forgotten it all. You know, maybe 20 years, he's cooled down some. You know, 20 years is a long time for somebody to, to get over this grudge against their brother. Amen? But isn't it interesting that sometimes even we don't do that? Uh, we can hang on to grudges for 20 and 30 and 40 and sometimes a lifetime. Amen. Sometimes we can't forgive first and we can't have that first in our life. So, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forgive them even before they ask for an apology. Jacob's extending this peace offering, telling his brother, look, I, I know I messed up. I know I've tricked you. I know I've stolen from you. But look, I got some stuff now. I mean, what, 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 do you, what was Jacob expecting his brother's response to be? Like, look, I stole from you, I tricked you, and then I got out of Dodge, but I capitalized on it. <laughs> now I got a bunch of stuff now. My life is good. It's real good. I got all these things and all these people that are with me now. But he's trying to extend a peace offering. He's trying to send this ambassador in front of him. And I'll say this, it's easy to take the role of a peacemaker when you've been the troublemaker, or it can be. It can be easy to be the peacemaker when you've been the one causing the trouble. It's often more difficult to be the peacemaker when you've been the trouble receiver, right? When somebody's hurt your feelings, somebody's offended you, when somebody's treated you wrong, it's hard to be the one that says, okay, look, let's just let bygones be bygones, bygones, bygones. Let's, let's, let's let them... Do that. Let's, let's let that be put to rest. It's harder to do that when someone's done, or when you've been the trouble receiver. The reason why is because bitterness and resentment, revenge, they all seek to find this permanent place in our flesh, the old nature. They all try to find a place where they can just take up residence, even in the lives of the redeemed of God. 
Well, they've done this once, they've done this twice, or they are always like this. And again, those, those, those fleshly feelings can try to take up residence in our lives, even as God's children. But I think this morning, Jacob's example as the chosen of God is a great example for us as the chosen of God today in Christ. Point number one is that example that we need to be consistent peacemakers. Consistent, or you could say constant. Constant or consistent peacemakers. And I will say this, it's not, and the reason why this is important is because it's not just when we've messed up, not just when we've hurt somebody, not just when we've done something wrong, but I believe this is a call for this to be embedded and evident in every aspect of our life. This peacemaking, this peace, whether it's at home, in our relationship with our spouse, or our relationship with our, our, our kids or our parents, uh, it, 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 it should be evident in our jobs, in, in our co-workers, uh, interaction with our co-workers, with our bosses, or if we're a boss with our employees, this peace should be evident in the church. It should, be, it should permeate every aspect of the church because we are the people of God that we'll see in just a second. It should be evident in the market. And when I'm talking about the market, I'm not just talking about Walmart or Albertsons or Kroger. Kroger. I'm talking about anywhere that we're doing commerce. You're at a, at a department store. You're at, you're at a restaurant. You're at a fast food restaurant or whatever the case may be. Peace should be something that we are making everywhere. It's interesting. Uh, Brother Jeffrey and I were having a conversation. He's reading a book that I just downloaded, by the way, um, to, to read. And, I, and I've, I've wanted to read it. He's been reading it. And, uh, and so one of the things that we were talking about, I hope I'm not taking something from what you wanted to preach one day. Um, but uh, uh, let's see, when are you preaching now? <laughs> um, one of the things that we were talking about was we live in this society uh, where everything has a review, right? And, and so what has is, what is this done for our society? It's basically empowered all of us and entitled all of us to voice our opinions about something or someone, good or bad, right? I've done it. I went on and became a local guide on Google. When we went down to San Antonio, we're trying different coffee places and stuff. And, and I'm like, you know, this is place is good. Take a picture, put it out there, Google review, all this kind of stuff. It, it's, it's what we do now in our society. It's, it's this place is good, this place is bad. This is bad, this is good. We, we have all these opinions, we have all these thoughts, and, and, and again, it comes in even into the church. And what that often, I, I think, propagates is hostility or division. It can happen on social media, right? Something goes wrong, boom, we put our opinion out there. Whether it's peaceful or not, we put it out there. 1 Peter chapter 3 says this, finally, it's talking to Christians, be ye all of one mind. Be one-minded. As Christians, you should have the same mind. What mind is that? Paul told the Philippians, it's the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. We should have the mind, the same mind together. And he goes on to say, having compassion one of another. Be sympathetic to each other. Be, be, have that sympathetic mindset towards each other. Love as brethren. Have brotherly love. Act like you are brothers and sisters. Truly, like you're a family because you are. You have the blood of Christ running through you. Act as, as uh, treat each other with brotherly love. Be pitiful. That's actually that word, compassionate. So be sympathetic. Be, be one-minded, love, love with brotherly love, uh, be compassionate, be courteous, or be humble in your life. 
towards each other. Not rendering evil for evil. Don't pay evil back with evil. Or railing for railing. Somebody jumps on your case, don't jump on their case. But contrary, wise blessing. So when somebody does something bad to you, you return a blessing to them. Knowing that you are there unto call. That's the same exact way that you're supposed to treat people because you are, you're called to inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil. Do you hear that? You love li- if you want to love life and see good days, know how to control your tongue from speaking evil. In his lips that they speak no guile or falseness or, or, or lies. He goes on and says, says and, and let him eschew evil and do good. So hate evil, hate, hate what's wrong, absolutely, but do what's good. And look, look at the rest of verse 11 says. Let him seek peace and ensue it, or pursue it. Don't just say, well, I would like to see peace in, in this church. I like to see peace in my family. I like to see peace at my job. No, no, no. Seek it. Pursue it with every fiber of your being. Seek peace. Pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over, over the righteous, and his ears are open to the prayers of the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? He goes on and says that um, in the rest of that chapter uh, that, hey, if you, if you suffer for wrong, that's good. If you, get, if you suffer for, do, I mean, for, for, for right, if you suffer for, for, for uh, doing good, that is good. If you suffer for doing wrong, that's what evildoers do as well. Um, and so according to Scripture... We are to be seeking peace. We are to be peace seekers. But not only that, we are to be peacemaking. And this peacemaking is to be woven, or it is woven, into the very fabric of our being as a new person created in Christ Jesus. Part of our makeup. It's part of our drive. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says this in the Beatitudes. He says, blessed are the peacemakers. They shall be called the children of God. The children of God should be the ones that make peace not division, make unity, not division. We should be the ones that make peace, not hostility, not, not uh, stirring up anger or wrath or evil or anything else. James chapter 3, who's a wise man and a dude endued with knowledge among you, let him show out of a good conversation, in other words, a good lifestyle, his works with meekness of wisdom. Look what he says. But if you look at somebody's life and you have bitter envying and strife, if there's this envy and strife in your hearts, Glory not. Don't, don't rejoice in that and don't lie against the truth. That type of wisdom, somebody operating with that type of wisdom, is not, it's not from above. It's earthly, it's sensual, it's devilish. For where envying and strife is, there's confusion in every evil work. And then he explains the wisdom that comes from God, the wisdom that every single child of God is, it has available to them. He says this, but the wisdom that's from above is first pure, it's sincere. But look at the next characteristic of the wisdom of God. It's peaceable full of peace, gentle and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. So the wisdom that God gives, the wisdom that's available to every single child of God in this place, on this planet, the, the wisdom is, is, is sincere. We, we, when you look at somebody operating God's will and uh, God's wisdom, they are operating with these characteristics in their life. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. It's evident in their life. Again, it's, it's woven into the fabric of our being. It's in our very nature as a new creature in Christ Jesus. Galatians chapter 5 gives us the fruit of the Spirit. So, as the Spirit of God lives in us, which happens the moment we say yes to Jesus, 
He comes in. He is the earnest of our inheritance. He takes up residence in our life. He's the one that does the washing and the renewing of regeneration. The Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. He makes us that new person in Christ Jesus. At that moment, the fruit of the Spirit invade our life. And no longer are we driven by malice and lust and, and, and all these things. But now we are driven by the Spirit of God whose characteristics are jo love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So as a child of God, again... It is, it is inherent in our nature as a new creature in Christ to have peace, to operate in peace, and to make peace. And again, in our culture today, when something goes wrong in our life or something bad happens against us or we don't like something that somebody did at a restaurant or we don't like how uh, this person treated us at the drive-thru or we don't like how this person at Walmart did this or we don't like what somebody did at church. We aren't necessarily people living in such a way that we jump to peace and peacemaking first. Oftentimes we are pulled back into that old nature to maybe even put something passive-aggressive passive on Facebook. I wish, I wish Christians would act like Christians. Are you a Christian? I hope somebody didn't put that on Facebook. I, prom <laughs> I promise I didn't read that on Facebook. But it's that type of stuff, you know. You're like, he's pointing me out. No, I promise I'm not. If you did, I promise it's the Lord. It's not me. <laughs> yeah. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. Let all bitterness, wrath, and anger, and clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. That stuff is, is, is of the old nature. It shouldn't be even a part of our lives. And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ has, has forgiven you. So again, as the people of God, the children of God, we are to be peacemakers. We are to be full of peace. It should be the first place that we go. Again, we see with Jacob, he's messed up. He's, he's, he's wronged his brother. And, and, and what he realizes, you know what? I need to offer peace. I need to extend a peace offering in this. You know what happens in all of this, though? We can also have a pride issue when we are the troublemaker. Jacob could have done that. Jacob at this point in time, whether he was doing that with, with talking about his, what, what God had blessed him with at this point in time or not, um, Jacob could have gone and said, you know what? You missed the boat, brother. You messed up. God has chosen me. I am the chosen one. He could have come from a place of pride and not extended peace. And again, I think that it can happen in our lives as well because we too are quick to proclaim our own goodness, right? We too are really quick to try to justify our own actions or attempt to justify our own actions. Our pride often won't allow us to seek peace first. And this can happen even in our homes, amen? Who's going to break first? Right? It happens. Oh, well, you did this, but you did this. Well, I, I wouldn't have done that if you would have done this. And, and, and instead of saying, let's just make it right. Right off the bat, what do we need to do to make it right? Pride wells up. 
and we don't seek peace first. And all of a sudden, before you know it, we're in a discussion, and the discussion turns to debate. The debate turns to disagreement. The disagreement turns heated and turns into, we're not going to call it an argument or a fight. Just a very interesting discussion. <laughs> Colorful discussion. But again, this happens in our lives. It happens in the church. Again, because that's the nature of the flesh, is to, to proclaim our own goodness, to, to defend our own actions, to defend our own selves. Proverbs 21, every way is, is of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord, he, he ponders, the, ponders the heart. To do justice and judgment is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. sacrifice. A high look and a proud heart and the plowing of the wicked is sin. So peace is not only the fruit of the Spirit, then it's also fostered and facilitated by the surrendering of our will to God's will. So when we say, look, I am going to, to make peace. I'm going to be a person of peace. I'm going to do this. Then it has to happen through us surrendering our will to God's will. And I believe this itself is a gift of grace by God. We can only have God's grace. And we can only operate in this way when somebody has wronged us or when we have wronged somebody and we extend peace, we extend forgiveness or whatever the case may be. It's only because of what Jesus has done and making peace with God on our behalf concerning our sin. That's the only way that we are peacemakers. That's the only way that we can have peace. That's the only way that we can make peace. That's the only way that we can extend peace is because of what Jesus Christ did on our behalf with God. Romans chapter 5. I love this chapter. I love Romans, period. But Romans chapter 5. Therefore being justified by faith. In other words, in the sight of God, you are a sinner. Now because of faith in Jesus Christ, you are declared righteous. You were unrighteous. Now you're righteous by faith. It's a done deal. It's a judgment that's been settled when you put your faith in Jesus Christ. So being justified by faith, look what it says. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. I love this. Man, how do we have this peace? How is it that we have peace at all? Why does the peace of God abide in us? And again, I'm not just talking about the peace of God uh, of knowing that I have peace, knowing that I'm going to heaven when I die. That's the peace I have. It's not just that kind of peace. But it's an active life full of the peace of God every day by His grace. How do we have that kind of peace? When people in this world go through certain things and, 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 and people who don't have faith in Jesus Christ, people who don't have that hope, people who don't have that peace, and they go through things and they say, I just don't know what I'm going to do. My life is over. And, and for those of us who have faith in Jesus Christ and we have that hope and we have that peace, we have this confidence, this, this assurance. That's what hope is. We know that it's going to be okay because we are in God's hands and, and, and ultimately we're going to be with God. We have that peace. We have that hope. But how did we get it? How do we get this peace of God? It was given to us because we have peace with God. The peace of God comes because Jesus Christ made peace with God on our behalf. 
Think about this. The wrath of God. The righteous demand. The perfect, holy, sinless, spotless, pure, just demand of, that, of the one and only holy God, the creator, all-powerful God. This demand in this wrath that would be poured out against all unrighteousness and sin, not only in our individual lives, but in the lives of the whole world. This demand, this righteousness, this, this, this need to be satisfied, to take care of all of unrighteousness, was satisfied by that very wrath being poured out on his son Jesus Christ. That's how the wrath of God, holy, pure God, who, who cannot even look at, at sin, who, who, who darkness can't have anything, has no fellowship with darkness, in him is no darkness at all. This pure light, holy God, demands that sin, that all unrighteousness be completely taken care of, be completely done away with. Not just the, the, the small things that we think are, 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 are bad sins, but not horrible sins, like, like our little lies that we tell sometimes, or the things that we don't necessarily do in obedience. Not just those things, but the grossest of sins that have ever existed on this earth. All of the unrighteousness of man, all of it, had to be taken care of completely not just one fraction left over all of it completely satisfied not just in our own life but in all the world and what god did was take all the fury of a all-powerful god the fury the might the power as i've said before as he is his, his his word his breath breathed out the host of heaven as psalm says as he he speaks and things come into being as as jesus even walked this earth and 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 he healed things that were broken and dead, that all the power of Almighty God, as much as he hates sin, as much as he despises unrighteousness, as much as Satan is his enemy and the author of sin, all of the wrath and the fear of God was to be poured out against unrighteousness, and we were in that group of unrighteousness. And Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, the spotless, sinless, only perfect sacrifice, only acceptable sacrifice, goes to the cross and takes the full weight, the full wrath of that all-powerful God on our behalf. All of the wrath should be poured out on us because we're the sinners. And one day, that, that, that wrath will be poured out for all of eternity in the second death, which is called the lake of fire, where, where Satan and the, and the beast and the false prophet and all who reject Jesus Christ will experience that, that, that final death, that, that second death, that ultimate death for all of eternity. All of that was poured out on Jesus Christ so that we could have peace with God. so that we could have access to him, so that we could have a relationship with him. He took it all on himself. So how heavy was that weight? How great was that wrath? So great and so heavy that the Son of God, God in the flesh, who knew what it was to be hungry, who knew what it was to be tired and need to sleep, and knew what it was to thirst and, and, and to want some water, even when he was suffering, the, the God who chose to allow his, his, his deity 
to be inside of, of human flesh like ours. This God knew the weight so great, knew, knew the wrath so great that the Bible says that he sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. Such intensity, such stress, such weight that the capillaries burst in his head. I love how Romans chapter 5 goes on to explain this peacemaking on our behalf by Jesus Christ in the next few verses. Verse 3, and not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. You know, you know the tests that we go through in our lives, the struggles, uh, the, the trials, uh, the, even the persecution, the suffering we go through. It, it works something in our life, and, and it works patience. Patience, experience, and experience hope. And hope doesn't make a shame because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. We could not save ourselves. We could not, we could not make peace with God ourselves. There was nothing that we could do in and of ourselves. So we were absolutely without strength. And in the perfect time, Christ died for us. For scarcely for a righteous man one will die. It, it's hard to find somebody willing to lay down their life to die for somebody who is righteous. Yet perhaps for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God, God, it, it, you know, you, we have men and women who lay down their lives and, and, and they do it for, for righteous and unrighteous. But listen, what God did is he showed his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, while we were absolutely unrighteous, while we were absolutely helpless and hopeless, while we were absolutely ungodly, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved, listen to this, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. Through Jesus Christ. That's how we are delivered from the wrath of God. That's how we have this, this entrance into his presence. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. We were enemies of God because we were unrighteousness. Uh, we were unrighteous and we were wicked and we were ungodly because we had sinned. That's what it is. We were enemies. And Christ reconciled us through the death through his death on the cross, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. This is mind-blowing to me. Again, it never gets old to think that pure righteousness demanding payment for all unrighteousness was satisfied through Jesus Christ paying it all. That's why that song is, is so profound. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. It's so true. He paid it all. He took care of it. The, the, sat, the demands, the righteous demands of a holy God was sat, that's propitiation, that's atonement. That's what he, it was satisfied in the death of Jesus Christ on our behalf. And the amazing thing is this. At no point in time could we ever have done that ourselves. It was, he is, and it is the only way for us to have peace with God. So our peace with God was a transaction. A transaction that cost the highest price of all. 
How do I have, that's why this is such an important thing for us to get. That's why it's important for us to be consistent peacemakers. It's in our, it's in our DNA as Christians. It's, it's woven into our lives. It's supposed to be in every aspect of our lives. Peace, the peace of God. Why? Because we have peace with God. We couldn't have this peace of God. We couldn't operate as peacemakers. We couldn't live with peace in our life every single day if Jesus Christ didn't pay the ultimate price for us to have peace with God. That's why this is so important. I've been watching on and off the Supreme Court um, justice uh, confirmation hearings, um, and it's, it's quite interesting. Anybody else been watching any of that? It's a little bit of a circus. I mean, somewhat of a circus. It's also interesting because there's these debates going on there, right, supposedly about our liberties. That's, they want to make sure that this person is going to, to, to be unbiased, and, and, uh, and so some are trying to vilify him, and, and um, others are trying to exalt him and, and all these things. And so uh, I've been watching some of these debates about liberties. So there's another thing that came out this week, right, very interesting, uh, about a, no, a name brand shoe company uh, using somebody to uh, be their, their kind of their, their, their hero for their, their movement, right? And so there's been an argument about what real sacrifice looks like because of it. Again, these things surfaced this last week. But what it got me thinking about is the greatest liberty of all, the greatest of all freedom, the highest sacrifice for the most important blessings, the most important peace, peace with God. It's not found in any person's shoe. It's not found in a, in a justice, a system. It's found in one person alone. And it was made possible through him and his death. Payment of his blood. Again, because of this peace with God, we have the peace of God, as I said a while ago, abiding in us. And it should permeate. It should permeate not just our times of needed relational reconciliation. Okay, fine, let's make peace, let's make up. No, it's not just that, that that's when peace should be evident in our life. Listen, this is the, the other thing, too. Jacob obviously had to do something in our minds. He had to make peace. He was going back home. His, his brother was going to be, I mean, something had to happen. But again, when we look at this, that's not just when we should have peace in our life. It should permeate our being at all times in all things. Peace. Attitudes of peace, actions of peace, speech with peace, because we have peace with God and because we're his children. This morning as the musicians come, I'm not going to get to point two. Because we are his children, we are to be consistent peacemakers. Look, I don't, I don't know... Maybe there's a relationship in your life. Maybe it's a family member, extended family member. Maybe it's, maybe it's not. Maybe it's in your, your marriage relationship right now, you and your spouse. There's no peace in your home. Maybe it's with your kids. There's no peace. Maybe it's with someone in the church. Something's gone on. Uh, they, they hurt your feelings. They let you down. They didn't meet an expectation. Whatever the case may be. Hopefully this morning you saw, if you're a child of God, the only reason you have the ability to be a peacemaker and to live with the peace of God is because Jesus Christ, in the grace of God, afforded that to you. As he made peace with God on our behalf through his death.
It was his blood, that payment, that price, all the wrath, all the sacrifice that we talked about a while ago, Jesus did so that we could have that peace and we could live in that peace and we'd be consistent peacemakers. Look, I understand it's difficult when you're at that restaurant and that waitress or that way. I mean, we've all been there before. It gets frustrating and, 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 and we want to, you know, say something or do something or whether it's a store or again maybe it's at, at, at our job and, and somebody's not doing right they're not acting right they're not they're, they're, they're being hostile to us we, we already saw the scriptures listen as the people of God whether it's in person whether it's on social media whatever the case may be we should be full of peace and we should be making peace again maybe it's in your home maybe it's with a close relationship some a family member. Be the one that seeks peace. Be the one that pursues it. Be the one that extends it. When, when people, when our lives are over on this earth, when people look at our lives, every single one of us who are children of God should, should want that legacy left. They were peacemakers. They were full of love and mercy and peace. Their life was full of the fruit of the Spirit. So maybe you need to talk to God this morning and say, God, help me reconcile this relationship. God, help me help our home be full of peace. God, help, help me in my job to be the peacemaker. Maybe, you're, maybe you've been part of stirring up trouble at your job. Be the peacemaker. Let's be the people of peace because, again, God has given us peace through Jesus Christ. As I shared in the beginning, if you've not placed your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, you just heard a while ago the gospel. The bad news is this. The Bible says we're all sinners. That means we're all unrighteous. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. What unrighteousness is or what, what sin is is when we transgress the law of God, when we break God's law. So that's why the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's nobody that has met God's perfect righteous standard because all of us have messed up. All of us has bro have broken God's law at some point in time. We've lied, we've stolen, we've, we've, uh, not, not, we've put other gods before him. There, there's, there's, all of us have, have been in that place, and so all have sent him short of the glory of God. But as I shared a while ago, this holy God, the one and true only God, demanded a payment for all of sin so that we could have a relationship with him. And because we're all sinners, there's no man that was worthy to pay the price. So God himself had to come in flesh and be that sacrifice. And he did. 2,000 years ago, he walked this earth. He lived a sinless life because he's God and he cannot sin. Again, as I shared a while ago, in him is no darkness at all. And he went to that cross as a perfect sacrifice, a sinless sacrifice. The lamb, the spotless lamb of God. And he shed the blood that would be the payment for us. They put him in a grave three days later. He rose again because, again, he was God. God didn't die. That body was put to death, and he rose it again to life. Having, death, having victory over sin, having victory over the grave, having victory over death. Jesus, as he walked this earth, he says, 
I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And so if you're here today and you've never come to a place in your life where you realize that you're a sinner, first of all, second of all, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, to trust him alone for salvation. Maybe you've tried to do the church thing. Maybe you've tried to say a prayer thing. Maybe you've tried to be a good person thing. None of those things will save you on the day of judgment. The only thing that will save you on the day of judgment is that the blood of Jesus Christ is on your account. Amen. That's it. The only way to have that blood applied to your account, the righteousness of God applied to your account, is to say, I'm no longer mine, I'm no longer living for me, but I'm surrendering my life to Jesus Christ, and I'm trusting him alone for salvation. I'm trusting him to save me, and I'm trusting him with my life, and so I want to follow him with everything I have. And when you have that type of faith of complete surrender, no, uh, the, the song goes like this, I've decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. If you've never done that before, I, I want to invite you. When we have this invitation, there's going to be a couple of ministers down here, and I promise you we're not going to do anything to embarrass you. Matter of fact, if you come down and you say, I want to know about, I want to go to heaven when I die. I, I don't want, he was talking about wrath and in the second death, he was talking about Satan and everybody who rejects Jesus Christ in the lake of fire for all of eternity. I don't want that. I want to go to heaven when I die. If you, you say something like that to them or you come down here and say, I want to be saved, I want to go to heaven, then if you're a lady, we can get a, a couple ladies and, and we'll take you into a room and privately, and again, not to embarrass you, but show you out of God's word, again, very specifically, what I just basically said. If you're a guy, we'll have a couple guys, again, take you to the side and can show you, and you can surrender your life today to Christ, and you can leave this place having peace with God and having the peace of God for the rest of your life. It's the only way to do it, though. You can't leave here and say, well, I'll just try to do better. You can't leave here and just say, well, I'll, I'll, I'm going to start coming to church. No, you, none of those things does it. You have to trust in Jesus Christ. And so I want to invite you to do that. I'm, I'm going to pray. We're going to stand. They're going to start singing. And, I wanna, and people are going to start moving. And if you're like, if you're like that, if you say, I want to be saved, I want to go to heaven, then I'm going to ask you to come when everybody starts moving and let somebody show you how that can happen in your life today. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for all that you do for us, God. All that you've done for us. All that you're going to do. Lord, you're such a good God. You're righteous and you're just. And so many people see one side of you only. They either see a, an angry God that is, is full of wrath and judgment. Or they see a God that is, is full of love. But you're both God. You're, you, are, you are fully just. And you're full of love. You, you are right in all your ways. And the only anger you have is against sin and unrighteousness. Lord, I, I thank you for being our God. Thank you for paying the price for our sin. Thank you for this morning's reminder that we're to be consistent peacemakers. Not just when we mess up, not when we just do something wrong against somebody, Lord, but every day of our life, we realize that we're supposed to be living in peace, that we're supposed to make peace, that we are to uh, abide in peace, that, our, that our, our, our speech and our attitudes, everything should be full of peace because we are your children, Lord. I pray that we'll remember that. Maybe there's broken relationships. Maybe there's bitterness. Maybe there's 
unforgiveness in, in some people's lives here this morning. I pray that they would get that right this morning in this invitation. Well, if they'd respond to your word, they'd realize that there's only a short amount of time for them to be who you've called them to be. And so I pray that we'll respond rightly to this. And God, if, again, if there's somebody here who's never uh, had peace with you because they've never trusted Jesus Christ for salvation, I pray that they would make their way this morning and they make that commitment and surrender their life to you. We'll praise you for what you do, and we ask all this in Jesus' name.